Welcome back to the Mysteria podcast. I am your host, Marcus De Silva, and I am very pleased to be joined by Mr. Rick Lamb today. How you doing, Rick? Good, thanks. How are you, Marcus? Quite well. Yeah, it's ni- nice, nice afternoon here. So, getting- yeah, I was I was in England too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got the the, the final uh, the Euro finals tomorrow, so everybody's losing their minds over here. It's quite funny. Oh, but- I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, I'll be watching that game too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so today uh, we're uh, on a little bit of a tighter schedule. Both of us have some commitments uh, right after we record this. So I think we're, we're probably looking at about an hour, hour, five minutes kind of thing for today. So a little bit condensed than the usual, but uh, that's all right. So I think the, the first thing uh, to you, Rick, is just tell us a little bit about what it is that you do for a living. Yeah, sure. Um... It's mainly, I guess, two parts. This one, I help individuals and also corporate clients. On, on the uh, individual client side, I help clients manage the investments and also manage the risk. Uh, the investment side, uh, we, we, we use products like mutual funds, term deposits, um, or segregated funds from the life insurance companies, depending on, on what the uh, clients' needs are uh, on the managing risk side. Be covered by uh, products like life insurance, uh, disability insurance, long-term care insurance, uh, critical illness insurance, um, that that type of thing. And of course, you know, part of this managing risk and, and investment is <clears throat> looking at the client's overall financial situations. There may be well, for some clients that we need for estate planning uh, purposes. What's the best way to pass down the uh, assets to the next uh, generation and how to minimize uh, tax. I mean, nobody likes to pay more tax than they, they need to. So that's, that's, that's a big part of it. Um, now, I don't, I don't do the nitty gritty of uh, filing tax returns or, or doing the actual implementation of that, but uh, it's more on the conceptual level. And then uh, we'll uh, you know, get clients and, and work with the lawyers and accountants uh, on, on that side. So that's generally on the on the individual part. Uh, on the uh, corporate client side, I help clients uh, with their uh, group benefits. For example, if a company offers um, uh, group dental and extended health, and you know, group life insurance, group disability uh, to the employees, I, I you know help clients on on uh, that end. Um, we have on, on the corporate side, we have clients that from only have three employees to all the way to, you know, over a thousand. Uh, um, the, the, the biggest clients we have, they had, they had operations all across Canada from, you know, all the way to, you know, from here, Alberta, uh, uh, Manitoba and Ontario. And uh, yeah, that one is, you know, kind of complicated because for example, it has different union agreements and then we would have to, uh, match the group benefit plan to uh, the the various uh, collective um, you know agreements on, on that. So that gets uh, complicated. But on that side, I work with a, a business partner. He's he's sort of like a group uh, specialist, so he takes care of the more the technical side of it. And uh, yeah, so the, uh, that put you on you know what I do on the uh, on, on, on for for what uh, for the group and. Um, and then there's sort of a little bit of a third part too. Yes, uh, about probably four years ago now, four or five years ago, I've been appointed 
as one of three financial planners uh, on a that we charge on an hourly basis, uh, uh, appointed by the Archdiocese of uh, Vancouver. So we look after uh, the employees of the uh, Archdiocese, uh, you know, mostly the teachers and the staff of the, the, the independent school system, and also the staff at the parishes, for example, you know, uh, for the employees who want uh, help with their financial planning, uh, retirement planning, uh, and a, a, a fair bit of work that I, I do is uh, people who are close to retirement, then they want advice on well, what to do with uh, the pension plan. And uh, so that's, uh, that's becoming a bigger part of what I you know, do too. So that, that's, actually that part I must say is very rewarding, you know, helping uh, uh, the, um, um, because usually on, on, uh, on my own um, uh, side, uh, you know, my own individual clients and, and corporate, those are clients who have, you know, most of them have, uh, you know, bit up assets and uh, that they're, they're comfortable most of them are pretty you know comfortable financially and uh, but on the through the archdiocese plan i mean these are some of the employees they uh, really don't don't have uh, a lot of money other than a little bit of pension they have and so they you know these are the people who really need the, the planning but uh, be, but because on their own they wouldn't be able to use people like us because they I mean they don't have their own Assets that they uh, for, for uh, financial plans like us to to uh, to, to manage, uh, but through the archdiocese because the archdiocese pays for uh, pays us to help these employees, and uh, so I'm, I'm able to help uh, some of them uh, even on how to get government benefits for low-income uh, people, for example. You know, so that that's uh, I find quite uh, rewarding. That's, one of the things I was really excited to uh, have you on to talk about was just the fact that, so I'm 25 and, uh, you know, I think there's kind of the, the, the one of the common uh, complaints of younger people nowadays, I think is like, you go to high school, you go to university and no one ever taught us how to, you know, file taxes and we don't understand how investments work and like kind of like basic adult things you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> quote unquote um so so it's very exciting to have you on because i i'm so ignorant to all of this stuff so i'm excited to kind of get a bit of a uh, a bit of an education from you today because i know it's uh certainly that seems to be the case for a lot of people not just me yeah but you know marcus that's a good point you brought up because um you know it is uh, financial planning is really uh not a part of the curriculum in, in, in high school or elementary school. Um, so what uh, um, CPA, because I'm a, I'm a chart accountant, so now, you know, CPA, uh, part of the CPA. CPA Canada has a financial literacy program that uh, we have, you know, volunteers like us, you know, I'm one of them to go out to places like elementary schools, high schools and community centers, any group basically who, uh, want um, uh, advice on uh, or a presentation on, on general financial planning with, you know, different topics on managing credits, for example, uh, cash flow management and um, um, uh, yeah, budgeting, that type of thing. And the, the, it's, it's good, you know, so the, the, if people hear this, you know, it, we're, uh, they can just uh, 
go to CPABC or CPA Canada. This 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 website there. You can uh, you know look up. Uh, I think I think there's a direct. Uh, it's an email information that you can kind of request to have uh, volunteers like us to come out to give presentation. It's not by Zoom, but you know in person later on, hopefully. Um, yeah, there should be a email or phone number there that for for people to contact CPA Canada to to request. It's it's all free, so just. Use us. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's so important when you have the information to use it, especially if it's accessible like that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. Well, in that case, um, why don't we why don't we start a little bit from there, actually? Because I'm really curious that the fact that you said that you'll actually go to elementary schools to to do little presentations for that. Did I hear that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So that that's available too. Um, I haven't done that myself. I've gone to high school myself uh, to, to give, but uh, yeah. So this came up with a number of topics uh, available now in the financial literacy. Uh, it's, it's more than 10 for sure. You know, some catered uh, 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 towards the seniors, for example, you know, with the, the seniors would uh, more for uh, say fraud prevention to what to watch out for. And, uh, you know, obviously retirement income planning and for the, uh, elementary school, you know, I, yeah, I believe, you know, basic stuff like, uh, you know, budgeting and uh, uh, I can't remember what you talked about, but anyway, you know, whatever people want, I mean, yeah, the uh, credit card, I don't know if the kids get to that at that point, but uh, that's available as well as to get educated and, and to what's available out there. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right, well, I, I'm curious then, so what, let's get into a little bit of that. Since, since how about we start from uh, since you, you've done some high school presentations, um, what's some information that you would, and I think we'll kind of, we'll, we'll talk about, we'll start there and then we'll kind of move on to like kind of older and then we'll get into like investment type stuff and, and managing that. Yeah, yeah, sure. And then, uh, yeah, with, with uh, high school, I mean, yeah, again, you know, that's uh, uh, just be aware of just general financial uh, information, uh, different type of investments that uh, uh, kids can get into, you know, uh, very general, of course, you know, the, the uh, tax-free savings account, uh, RSP, I mean, most of them, they don't be, but some of them start working at that point anyways, and so they they uh, would have some saving on inheritance, uh, you know, um, uh, some of them, they may have, even the, the parents or grandparents would have set up the RESP uh, for them, you know, so that that's that's that, and uh, yeah, again, you know, budgeting. Everyone wants to uh, kind of need. I mean, you, the kids they either have allowance or they have part-time work that they, they they do. I think the the key is um, just um, have different priority, I guess. You know, for uh, and, uh, some even parents want to uh, instill in in their kids uh, uh, the the giving part of it. So even if you you know, go to church every Sunday, even though you drop even a dollar or two dollars, that, that's uh, the habit of, of doing that for, for the kids. And so knowing that our, their allowance that the, the, the kids receive, you know, some of them, um, it's, 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 you don't spend at all. You know, you, you, you would uh, give some and save some and you can spend most of it, but uh, yeah, you can do the saving and the, and, the, and the giving part of it. That's important. And I think that's... Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, speaking of the giving part, I mean, I'm, I'm also sitting on the capital campaign committee for uh, 
you know, my church, Corpus Christi, and uh, we're building a new school right now. It's basically completed, so the kids would uh, go into the new building in September. I mean, is, the total cost is over $25 million, so that's uh, obviously just a lot of money. And uh, uh, we're, we're fortunate enough to uh, be able to sell part of the property um, for the church for $13 million, and but we still need to raise about half of that. And uh, so, you know, you need... Uh, a lot of parishioners to, to give, um, you know, this, this sacrificial giving. Um, but what I find is uh, when, when you give, then you feel good about it too. And uh, so you, you get back, you know, probably more than 10 times uh, over. And uh, uh, knowing that you, you've kind of left a, a legacy. And, uh, but more, most important, I think, is, is, is this, this inner happiness that, that, one feels and uh, after you, you, you give and uh, for, for a lot of people, I know for me, for sure anyways, that uh, I do feel quite good after giving. And uh, so that's something that um, if we can instill in the young people that at an at a, at a early age, that, uh, you know, this part of giving, uh, make it a habit of it. And then, you know, uh, yeah, starting with even, like I said, a dollar, two dollars, uh, that, that's fine, just, just to get going. And then later on, uh, when um, this uh, person, you know, gets into a working career and, uh, you know, start making, uh, again, my, my style small, you know, could be, you know, two, three thousand dollars a month. Uh, but, you know, again, that's uh, that, that one or two dollars a month becomes, you know, ten dollars, a, a, a one to two dollars, I mean, a week becomes, say, five dollars or ten dollars a week, and they kind of move on from there. And then uh, it just, it's, it's a lifelong habit um, of, of giving and, uh, like I said, you know, giving and then saving and also spending, of course. I mean, you got to financial, the whole idea of financial planning is to look after yourself first as well. So, you, you know, I don't suggest clients to just keep, uh, stock everything away, but you, you got to live life. Uh, a little bit, um, you know, live within your means, but uh, uh, within the means, then don't, don't, uh, I guess, don't feel bad about uh, spending money either. So, you know. Is it a common issue that you find for your uh, individual clients that they spend outside their means? Because that's one of those things that um, just anecdotally, that's one of the things that I've, um, observed uh just kind of between the the people that i know where there'll be these occasions where you know especially if you're you know especially as like a university student you're going out and you're spending money and you maybe lose track of how much you're spending and <laughs> you know so that, that seems to be kind of a, a stereotypical university thing but it does seem to be true but just generally speaking um when it comes to your clients uh what what have you observed yeah for my clients i guess um uh, the demographic of my clients, I mean, they, they you know, most of them make uh, kind of, you know, decent income. And uh, I, for, for my clients, I would say most of them, they, they, they stay within the means, you know, and uh, uh, they don't, I mean, you know, of course, there's always some that uh, they, they, they spend more, but uh, by and large, um, they they do, yeah, uh, spend within the means. But now, uh, it's, it's kind of a good point, Marcus. As a matter of fact, I think this is on the reverse. I mean, because I also have a fair number of clients who are in their 70s and, uh, and, 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 and 80s. 
some clients actually, I do even, I have to actually tell them to spend more. I mean, because, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, because by that, by that time, they, it's amazing. Some, some clients still really think about leaving money for the kids and, and stuff. I said, no, you know, just going to enjoy yourself. I mean, you know, you, you don't need to, <laughs> uh, I mean, to, my philosophy is this, Marcus. I mean, uh, my kids are providing with the education. That's my responsibility. Uh, I pay for that. But once once that's done, that's uh, that's that's this uh, foundation. That's uh, the the, uh, the tools that now they have that tool to make a living for for themselves, and they shouldn't rely on uh, you know what uh, me and my wife will give them. Maybe it will be a bonus for them, but they shouldn't be relying on that. And uh, so yeah, I. Ideally, I would spend the last dollar when I die. <laughs> but, <laughs> of course, that's not going to happen, right? And uh, uh, but, but but no, seriously. Some some for some clients, I I, I find they um, uh, for whatever reason, I guess you know they it's, these are people who probably have lived a certain lifestyle through through the through the life, and then they they got accustomed to that and. It, it, in a way, it's hard to kind of all of a sudden now they say, even though they can't afford to say fly business class or they, they uh, go to, you know, more exotic holidays, they just don't. And then, uh, um, so, yeah, so, so, so it's kind of the flip side of, uh, you know, client spending uh, beyond the means. There's, there's, there's also a lot of clients that don't, uh, uh, you know, that I, I, what I see anyways, that they, they could splurge more on, on themselves, but but they don't, and uh, yeah, so that, that's that's that side as well. Yeah, yeah, that's really funny though, because I, I like that I, I like that mentality, that that philosophy. It's like yeah, because that that's the the purpose of an education is then okay, now you can go out and, and take care of yourself, and I like that. Call it a bonus. I agree. Yeah, that's that's right. <laughs> no, just I I, I want to also want to point another an example of uh, this. Um, you know the, how of how far parents would would go to uh, help their kids. Uh, uh, so a friend I know that he's in his seventies, but he did that a, a few years ago, probably in his late sixties. So he and his wife owned a uh, townhouse. Okay. So what they did, I mean, they they have modest means. They don't have a lot of you know asset other assets, uh, but they wanted to help the kids, the one one son and daughter. So what they did. Um, they sold the townhouse, split the proceeds between the, the, the son and the daughter so that the uh, you know, son and daughter could buy the respective uh, condo or whatever. And this couple rent, started to rent instead. So they, they had owned something, but they, they, they sold it and then they, 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 you know, they rent. Now with the idea that the, the, the son and the daughter would help them with the, the rental income you know so in return for to, to get that uh, uh property but at the time i remember telling him i said well that's that's i wouldn't do that kind of stuff because there's no guarantee that uh, the son and the daughter would uh, continue to support uh, because yeah even now they, they might but who knows what happens when the you know the marital situations uh uh, uh turn sideways or something and then the financial situation become not as as, as good uh, then as, as now and then you so even though you it's not that they don't want to help but they can't and then what happened right so but yeah just an example that that, that that's kind of an extreme example of uh, how far 
uh, some parents uh, would go to to help the kids. And that may be something to do with the uh, the Chinese culture as well. I mean, uh, they uh, uh, that some uh, especially maybe the older generation are Chinese. They really want to to make sure the children are better off than they are. And then uh, so leaving something for them is important. So, but uh, but I'm Westernized. I, I've been here since. <laughs> I mean, the Canada 1975. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, hey, you know, Marcus, I, I, that's where I went high school. I went to high school with your dad, you know, so that was, uh, yeah. No, I mean. But I mean, Portuguese families like that too. I think, you know, yes, uh, yeah. I mean, I remember your, your grandparents. I mean, they, they kind of, they lost for your dad. And then it's, it's the same, same thing. So, yeah. Yeah, it's very true. I know that the, the Portuguese are, yeah, they're like that too. They're the, some, the, the really traditional uh, old school ones. Yeah. It, it's pretty amazing. You just kind of scratch your head and go like, why, why are you doing that much? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I know. Yeah. 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 Very true. Well, and since you kind of, um, segued into it a little bit, um, probably a good opportunity to, to do that now, but, uh, tell us kind of jumping around a little bit, but tell us a little bit about where, uh, you grew up. Yeah, I grew up in, in Hong Kong, yeah, uh, yeah, and then I, uh, in 1975, so I was 15, and then, then I uh, immigrated to Canada. Actually, no, sorry, I, I didn't immigrate at that time. I came on a student visa. So I went to Victoria for then my first year in the boarding school there, and uh, that was my, uh, I went for grade nine, yeah, grade nine, that's when uh, I, I went, and uh, uh but yeah, actually, just backtrack a little bit in, in Hong Kong in, in childhood. It was, you know, Hong Kong at that time, especially, uh, well, in our family, especially, but uh, in general, people, the financial situation were not that good anyway. So, uh, and most people lived in government subsidized housing and we were one of them. And uh, so that, that, that's how we grew up and we, well, we had four or five, yeah, six people living in a really small areas, probably, uh, so size, uh, uh, say your parents' living room. Essentially, you know, everything is there. You know, with the uh, washroom, kitchen, everything. You know, and and, and uh, uh, so yeah, you you wouldn't have a fixed dining room table. You would have a fold-out table. You know, at the at, at when you when you eat. Uh, but that's that's how we um, grew up. But at that time, you know, and the, the thing was not not a not a big deal. You just get used to it. And, uh, so anyway, uh, came here. Um, uh, first year, yeah, grade nine, like I say, in uh, Victoria. Um, and, and then grade 10, I came out to St. Pat's. And uh, so, so I did grade 10, 11, and 12 uh, in um, St. Pat's. And that's why I met your dad. And then uh, we, you know, spent about those three years together. And I, um, I became a Catholic in grade 12, actually. So that was uh, something special. Uh, Easter, I was, you know, baptized and... Uh, the, uh, still remember Sister Mary Jane gave me a one-on-one -on -one, uh, uh, catechism uh, session. That was that was kind of cool, you know. With uh, with doing a gym before school uh, classes started, and um, yeah, that was. Uh, I mean, St. Pass at that time uh, because at that time the Catholic school system didn't get a. I, it just started. I think getting um, started to get government funding. Uh, I can't. I don't know how much they, they got back. But now we get, you know, this college school system gets about 50% of what uh, 
the, the public school system gets uh, per child. So it's a lot better now. Uh, but back then it wasn't, wasn't that much. And uh, so uh, to be honest, the school wasn't that good. <laughs> and we had trouble attracting, the school had trouble attracting good teachers um, because they just didn't have money to pay. So the, the, we only keep the, able to keep the lay teachers for maybe one or two years or something. And then uh, before these teachers find uh, employment in the public school system. Uh, but we're thankful that the nuns were there, uh, the Sisters of St. Joseph. They were, uh, I mean, they, they were the foundation, I mean, they were the rocket, they, you know, the, because they, they weren't there for the money, you know, obviously, and then they, they were just there and uh, they, they were the provide the stability. And uh, so we're, you know, quite thankful for that. And yeah, uh, we had a small class. I think we only had about 30 kids in our graduating class. Uh, uh, I think yeah, 24 girls and six boys. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of a good time because it was a small school. It was uh, because of the environment we're in, we kind of made the, the group a little bit, you know, tight um, too. So it was, it was kind of yeah, special time. So that was that was uh, St. Pat's year, and then after that, I went to UBC, and I uh, uh, was going to go to. Uh, the med school was my original uh, plan, and uh, but uh, science wasn't my forte, and I, I had trouble with that, so uh, I had to switch. Um, uh, you know, went to commerce instead. And then yeah, I went to commerce and then accounting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So then, so then after that, yeah, tell us a little bit about accounting. Like, how um, do you have to do a four-year undergrad and then go into accounting? Yeah, back then, uh, UBC Commerce was a little bit different. It was a one year of a, they call pre-commerce, so you could have uh, done arts or science. Uh, and then the commerce program itself was four years. Uh, so the, the, the total was five-year program. Uh, now it's different. That's total is just four years. And so, so back then, like I said, the first year is pre-commerce and then uh, four years of commerce. The first two years are, with general programs, so every, everyone would take the same uh, courses to be uh, uh, something in, in uh, statistics and uh, general accounting, uh, organizational behavior, and, and so on. And then the uh, third and fourth year, that's when you would specialize. Uh, the, the, the specializing programs like accounting, finance, or, uh, urban land, um, transportation, um, uh, computer science. And I chose accounting just uh, because I thought, well, hey, you know, this is a good way to get a, a, to further study, get a prof professional destination later and then uh, go on from there. And also at that time, when I was in uh, commerce, it was in the uh, early 80s. And, and, uh, BC economy was wasn't that good actually. It was uh, was tough for everybody, uh, most uh, university graduates to to find jobs. And accounting uh, was kind of the best of the um, you know of, of the bunch. Uh, even then, it was tough. I mean, only half of the accounting students would get a job with the, the accounting firms. Uh, but yeah, that was better than the other the other faculties already. And so, but yeah, so. Then and uh, yeah, more to I look at uh, the accounting destination would be one that I can kind of carry on uh, use that as stepping stone for something else uh, later. So that's what I, I 
the main reason I chose accounting and then after that, uh, um, get the you know, CAE destination afterwards. And the financial planning side, uh, did you get into that right away? Like, was that the, the job? No, it was not, a, not something that I had. Uh, uh, when I went to UBC, that's not something that I wasn't thinking of. That's, that's for sure. And uh, although I did like the, the marketing uh, part of it, um, but uh, no, it's, uh, when I went to uh, accounting UBC, I, I, yeah, I just wanted to get the finish the accounting degree and then uh, get a job with a uh, uh, CA firm to get a, the, the destination. That was what I did. I um, uh, went to work the, well, the firm name changed now, uh, but now it's Grand Thornton, but back then we'll call something else. So, um, uh, so after graduating, graduating from UBC, I, I went to work for a firm and then that is now the auditing side and then took the accounting courses uh, from the CA Institute at the time that was called. Uh, so th about three years later, I got my CA uh, destination. Um, so at that time, it kind of so happened. My friend of mine, she became a uh, sales manager at uh, Canada Life, uh, Life Insurance Company. Um, so she started talking to me about perhaps looking into the life insurance uh, industry as a, a career. I, I didn't really think much at the time, but uh, over the course of a year on, and, and a bit, uh, then I, after I read up more about um, the industry, uh, you know, I, I read quite a few books, uh, some, even the most, the books were, were very critical of the industry. And then so I just wanted to make sure I get all the bad things out of the way. So I thought that that would be something that, uh, good to help people on an individual basis uh, more on the, on the financial side and also could utilize my skill as a, a CA on uh, just the more technical aspect of that too. So I thought that would be a, a, uh, a good fit, uh, but still, you know, take a bit of convincing, especially, uh, I mean, you know, at that time I was going basically uh, from a uh, job with steady income to 100% commission. And uh, so that was tough now. Uh, my wife being a CA helped too, because then I, I look at her and say, you, her should be the one who bring in the, the steady income. So if, you, if, if I fail on my end, then, then that's just something to fall back on. So, <laughs> so it kind of worked out, but because if, if I were the only one, uh, making uh, money at the time, I'm not sure if I would have made the switch uh, yeah, at that time. So, yeah. yeah. And from a, uh, just, just kind of a more general sense, I'm curious as to what were some of the skills that you had to develop as a professional that better allowed you to articulate the information to your clients? Other than obviously like, the technical side of you kind of have to just know what you're doing. But other than that, as far as just the, the application side, um, how, how did that develop for you over your career? Yeah, but that's this a good point, Marcus. But if you're going to talk about a skill, I'll, I'll kind of take you back to high school even. I always tell people the two courses that have um, uh, made the most difference to me 
one is actually typing, so I could, uh, you know, just uh, <laughs> that helped me out uh, quite a bit, and, and I became a pretty good, uh, 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 yeah, on, 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 on the keyboard. So it helped me in the typewriter days, and then later on with the keyboard on the, on the computer. So that that saved me a lot of time. But the the one that really made um, a big difference for for the, the, my career and the rest of my uh, life is actually English, English literature. Um, because that allowed me to really see things uh, in, in different ways and, and realizing that not everything is black and white. Um, you know, you and I will see, read the same thing, see the same thing, but uh, we will have different interpretation uh, of that. And, uh, you know, through thinking the, the course and, and the, the class discussions of uh, how each uh, the, the fellow classmates, how they would uh, say, you know, what's, what's important to them and also how they see things. And, and that, to me, made me realize, uh, it, it helped me a lot because, uh, you know, then helped me in my, uh, um, in my uh, when I was articling in, in the CA firm, you know, we would have to go out to clients and, and do uh, audits. And, uh, you know, you would think uh, when you look at numbers and, 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 and the auditing and they do that system is, is, black and white, but no, not, not everything is black and white. So I mean, you know, so sometimes when you see things that you would assume that, oh, that, that's why it happened that way, but may not necessarily happen that way. So it, it, it kind of taught me to, um, uh, when we asked uh, clients questions on, on why certain things happen, it, it, it have to use some tact to, uh, you can never assume before you ask questions and uh, uh, and also kind of be ready on, on to uh, get an answer that's uh, not what you might expect uh, and so so that that helped me a lot and also again I mean, obviously on the on the uh, dealing with uh, colleagues and and uh, other people that uh, kind of respect other people's opinions and uh, because not yeah again there's no uh, black and white in, in, in a lot of things. So yeah, I think that um, the, the English Lit course in, in high school uh, uh, kind of let me know, uh, kind of not, not take things for granted or not just see things just my way. And, and uh, that really, I, I think, helped me a lot in, in my uh, career. So I would even, like I said, you know, kind of back track to the high school uh, days for, for that skill. But in terms of uh, what I, the skills I picked up in university and how I helped, in, uh, how that helped in the in career that is, I would say not so much on the technical side, but it's the analytical side to how to um, uh, approach a problem. And uh, because especially nowadays, uh, you know, when you, on, on the, on the, you know, say the computer and, and everything, what you learn now will become also obsolete uh, when when you graduate anyways and then so it's not so much the the way you learn it's the process of learning uh, uh that's important and so i find that uh, quite useful and uh, and then also with uh, the, the different group projects uh, that we had to participate in again that uh, uh it was a good training ground on on how to work as a group and uh, how to present ideas and how to accept ideas and uh, Kind of also link back to what I mentioned earlier about uh, the, the English lit, uh, seeing things differently too. So that 
yeah, so you know, all that had helped me. I, I want to go back, we'll go back to the university, um, to your experiences in, in university. I, I made a little note of that, but I want to back up to, uh, to high school. I, I got to talk about this English literature thing a little bit more. I'm very surprised at that. I, I wouldn't have expected that. So yeah, I definitely want to hear more about that. So what, what grade were you when you took English Lit? Would that have been in grade nine? Uh, no, it'll be later. I think grade 11 and 12, I think. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Um, so I I think especially probably grade 12, especially that's maybe when I we did it, that uh, we, we studied a few plays in Shakespeare. And uh, so that's, uh, uh, you know, again, just different way, you know, I had to, I, I mean, English was a second language. So I would have to use close notes and stuff to help me understand and, uh, and, uh, Sister Mary Jane, uh, yeah, also you know, sweet, the, the one who gave me the one-on-one catechism class, she taught English lit too. So and she was really good. So that, I think that's and that was another reason I took such an interest in in, in that course. And uh, uh, so yeah, I, I, you know, analyzing uh, analyzing plays and and other readings and that uh, uh, really helped. And yeah, and speaking of Shakespeare, that's that's kind of another. Epiphany that came was uh, when in university, you know, we also had to take uh, uh, English one, 101 or one or whatever. And, and again, Shakespeare plays those one. I still remember um, one time I was listening, uh, well, back then we had the vinyl, you know, the, uh, the this way would, I would go to a library to, to listen to, to, the, to the actors and the play. And they were, these are excellent actors. And I still remember by hearing the, um, uh, just the, I mean, I, I could hear the emotion through the, the, the words and, 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 uh, and stuff. And uh, yeah, I remember one time, especially uh, just, uh, uh, I think it was Macbeth and, and it just got me so much into, so much more into the, the, the play by listening to run and just, just reading and uh, just, just again, hearing the, the emotion of these uh, of, the, of the actors was kind of kind of reinforce what I think. Oh, that's that's how that's another way to by by listening more to that. Then there's another way get a deeper uh, understanding of, of of the play for that. Yeah. It's funny that you bring up Macbeth because so when I was in grade eleven and twelve, I also took uh, I also took English lit. I, I, the reason that really stood out to me is because I have a similar experience um, to you in high school, which is I really really took to uh, English uh, literature um, and particularly obviously did a lot of uh, Shakespeare stuff. And I remember one project that we did. Um, it was a group of seven of us, I think, it's six or seven. So it was a big group. And we had to uh, film uh, an act. And I'm pretty sure it was Macbeth. It might have been Hamlet, but it was, it was one of the two. And I remember that we did it as a parody version. So the mm -hmm. whole thing was just ridiculous. And it was so much fun. That, that still is one of my favorite times from high school. That, that was just so, it was so ridiculous and so dumb. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That's how you remember, oh, right? And that's so what I'm saying. Fun. Oh, loved yeah, every yeah. second of that. Uh -huh. But, and, and that's, I mean, I speak English, first language, and Shakespeare <laughs> is difficult for anybody. Yes, yes. I can't even imagine for, for you, I mean, to, to take to Shakespeare, that must have been a, a real challenge. 
Oh, it was. Like I said, I, I had to rely a lot on the cold snooks. And uh, 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 so, yeah, for, you know, listening uh, through recordings and then uh, it helped a lot. And also, I think in high school, yeah, we, um, uh, I think some, sometimes teachers will show the play on, on the video on, the, on TV to, you know, watching that also, also uh, helps. And uh, yeah, so just, you know, the, it, it, it wasn't easy. It's, uh, yeah, uh, but, uh, you know, it's good. I still remember speaking learning English. I mean, I, I, okay, in, in Hong Kong, I did go to uh, English high school. So I had, I, I was kind of okay with the, uh, the listening and the, and the and the reading and writing part of it, I was kind of okay, but of course, you know, of course, speaking wasn't wasn't that good. And uh, but um, you know, you know, the first the, how I picked up English when I first came to Canada so I was watching uh, uh, The Price Is Right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and uh, so you know, you 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 do what you can, and then just just watch the TV shows and. Uh, uh, and then later on, uh, just uh, sitcoms like Three's Company would be able to get to. That. You don't, you don't watch, you don't remember that kind of stuff anyway. Yeah. I still watch. I watch Three's Company. Is it? Oh, amazing. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, it's yeah. the I, I don't know. I'm sure they have it in the states, but probably in Canada too. It's it's called the the Deja Vu ch channel or network. Oh really? They, okay. Yeah, they air all the old, you know, Three's Company, Mass. Uh, you see Cheers every once in a while. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, all the, all the old oh, stuff. Oh, okay, yeah. that's good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh that, that, that's good. Then uh, you, well, it's good that you watch that kind of stuff. So you can, you know, be conversation with your your mom and dad. <laughs> it's funny stuff. It's really yeah, good. Yeah. yeah, I know the, the young people are missing out because it's, it's yeah great content. Yeah, from yeah. that era. Yeah. And, and I'm curious, what made you think to listen to the plays on at that time on vinyl like how did how did you think to do that because that's a really smart tactic because like you, know, you, said, I, you can hear the you can really hear the emotion which would really help you understand the material it's yeah you know i can't remember what triggered that but, but i guess you know back then i guess i spent a fair bit of time in the library doing different things i think you may have been just Come across and say, "Hey, that might be a cool thing to, you know, just to check it out." And uh, uh, yeah, just uh, uh, yeah, uh, it might, yeah, it's not. You know, it's a way to kind of yeah listen and read at the same time, and then just kind of figure it out. Be kind of in you know, a double way to uh, to to learn the material uh, because, like I said, I mean, I, I'm, I that was still within the first few years of me being. Uh, uh, here in Canada, and uh, the English still wasn't great, and so just had to um, do what I could to better my English. Well, from a from a learning perspective, generally speaking, uh, there there's three uh, types of learners. So you have uh, auditory, visual, and and kinesthetic. So so yep. touch, and when it comes to that, it, I mean, okay. Everybody generally is a is a mix of the trio, but you certainly have a, a primary, a secondary, and then you can have a, a tertiary, but you certainly um, have a primary. And so I, I think it's really important for people because everybody learns differently and, and, and what allows them to uh, grow exponentially will, will depend from person to person. So 
I, I just really appreciate how you figured out that you were a little bit that the 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 visual side for watching plays, I guess, in uh, classes when that would happen, because that wouldn't be too often. That would be a treat if you know. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but certainly the the auditory side, you know, that must be yeah. That that's really great that you clued into that. Whether you stumbled into it, you know, or, or you know, kind of thing. That's okay. But you figured it out either way. Yeah. So. Definitely. Yeah, no. I find, yeah, in some ways, I think audio part is even better than watching because I think you can really, you pay more attention to to uh, the to the, to the words and uh, yeah, just, uh, yeah. Like I said, it's uh, yeah, just it, it was it, it was it was yeah, eye opening to 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 kind of stumble or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean mm. to do that. Well, and, and on the on the flip side of that, um, we we haven't talked about it, um, but I'll, I'll ask you about it now. Uh, you do a, is it a radio show that you do? Yeah, uh, every Friday afternoon, I go to, you know, the, the Chinese radio station, AM, AM 1320. Um, it's from 4.30 to 6 o'clock. It's, it's a program on current affairs. So that program is on every Friday, sorry, every day, Monday to Friday. Um, but I'm a guest uh, commentator on the Friday one, and it's on just, uh, yeah, kind of current affairs. Like yesterday, we talked about the Haiti uh, president uh, being assassinated, um, you know, kind of the implication, like kind of make some guess on who's behind that and, you know, why that happened and about Haiti itself, type of thing. And the week before, last, last uh, week, we talked about um, uh, the comment by the uh, senator in you know Canada about uh, the U.S. I'm sorry, not the Canada-U.S. relations, and uh, and then uh, <clears throat> of course you know since the pandemic there are quite a few uh, sessions on 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 the pandemic itself. Uh, you know earlier about the restrictions and then the vaccines and uh, how how well or how bad the, the government has uh, handled that, uh, you know, that type of thing. So that, uh, it's a bit, it kind of takes a bit of time for me because it, what that means is Friday. I, uh, Friday is I don't, I don't book any, any, anything. That's because I need to do research on that. And then plus uh, my, my Chinese is not that good uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't write Chinese anymore so so what I have to do with this show is I have to well, first do the research in English and then the, some of the words I would have to look up uh, you know Google Translate and other things to to, to make sure that I, I have the proper uh, words uh, on that. Uh, so that, but but I, I enjoyed it I mean that's a bit of a diversion uh, from uh, the kind of my regular work and uh, I've been doing it for close to 10 years now. So it's uh, oh wow, kind of fun, kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How'd you get involved with that? And I kind of look, get back to, uh, okay, volunteering is something that I've kind of always wanted to, <laughs> you know, been, been, been doing that ever since university. You know, I was uh, president of the accounting club, vice president of the, 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 the conference undergrad society and so on. And so uh, uh, in, uh, probably in the yeah, late 90s, so I started um, getting involved with the, the, the Chinatown. So uh, I was uh, the president uh, of the Chinatown Revitalization Committee for a few years. And 
through that role, I, um, you know, contacted different uh, people uh, and organizations in Chinatown. And one of them was the radio station. Uh, at that time, they, they had the, the office in, in uh, Chinatown. So the, uh, the CEO of the radio station at that time was Teresa Watt, who is now the MLA of, you know, in Richmond. And uh, so I, I got to know uh, uh, Teresa uh, fairly well. And um, yeah, so uh, she was going to ask me, you know, a few years later, you know, so she asked me if I would be interested in, in, in uh, being the guest uh, commentator. So yeah, that's how I uh, got started and also then you know speaking of volunteering through her then I got more involved in the, the political side of it I was her financial agent when she first ran uh, uh, for MLA and uh, yeah so on so I you know kind of the volunteering side and the community side and the politics side and the church side and so that's what I'm glad you brought the the political thing up because I, I was going to ask you about that as well. But um, what what is your? I don't know how much you can kind of get into it without you know <laughs> all secrets. No, all. that's fine. Yeah, there's no secret. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm kind of trying to think of the the question asked, but I'm not really entirely sure. But maybe just generally speaking, uh, what's your job description for for that? What what role do you play? Uh, okay. I guess before uh, the the formal role was uh, uh, being financial agent for Teresa Watt when she ran in 2013. So that was uh, my formal. Before that, I I did help out, you know, some municipal uh, politicians uh, here and there, but you know, on, on, a, on a, a peripheral basis, maybe help phone calls and, and type of thing. But so uh, but so I started with uh, being financial agent for Teresa. So after the Elections was over. Uh, then I uh, became uh, the. Oh, then I moved to, to Vancouver Fraserville to to be on the executive of the Writing Association because uh, Suzanne Anton was uh, the MLA uh, in the Vancouver Fraserville, and she needed someone who could speak uh, Chinese you know, because the Vancouver Fraserville has a lot of fair number of uh, Chinese population. And to me, that makes sense for me to help Suzanne because I, number one, I speak the language and then I live in the writing. So that's uh, uh, that. And Teresa, you know, so obviously she speaks Chinese herself. So that doesn't uh, need my help. And I had known uh, Suzanne for a while anyways. And that's, uh, if, you, if I hadn't, if I hadn't, um, uh, uh, agreed to be uh, Teresa's financial agent. I would have helped uh, Suzanne that uh, e election uh, as well. So anyway, so I uh, sat on the executive uh, for Vancouver Fraserville for a few years, and then I became the president of that uh, writing association uh, after. But I, I stepped down earlier this year uh, from from that. Uh, so being being the writing association. Um, uh, uh, executive and president, and obviously you you liaise uh, with the, the MLA, sitting MLA, uh, which you know Susanna at that time, and uh, and uh, represents the writing association with the with the you know with the party. So you would attend, I would attend the provincial meetings, uh, different meetings, um, and any you know organize uh, uh, events like summer barbecue with the constituents, uh, and just kind of make sure the membership is up. Uh, uh, donation keep <laughs> going in and uh, 
yeah, so that's uh, kind of fun that way. And uh, but yeah, kind of time to move on. So I stepped down. But then Michael Lee decided to uh, run again for the the leader of the BC Liberal Party. So and then he asked me to be his financial agent for uh, um, for, for this leadership campaign. So I, I agree, and so that will. The vote, the, the election itself will take place in next uh, February. So the next few months, I'll be kind of busy with with uh, uh, you know Michael Lee's campaign. And I, I don't know. I guess I, I, so, some, sometimes I, I feel um, on the political side. Uh, yeah, I mean I, I kind of enjoy it too. But uh, and, and uh, the way I look at it too, then we have to participate in this uh, democratic process because uh, if um, no one, I mean, that's what makes it a healthy democracy. And if, if no one does, um, yeah, then, then it wouldn't be good, especially being from a ethnic background like Chinese, well, I, I feel that we, we should even, I feel more obligated to, 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 to help out uh, that way, just to, um, be, uh, I guess you can say, in a sense, uh, uh, be more fully participating in the the the, the other Canadian, um, uh, other different, yeah, Canadian, uh, what being Canadian is all about. Well, I'm I'm really glad you feel that way because it, I mean it's really nice to hear that uh, somebody feels that responsibility and then goes out and and implements that and. Especially because you're qualified, you're good at it. <laughs> no, I don't know about that qualified, but uh, we, we do a small part, you know. Just uh, yeah, I mean, you swim politics is you need all so many people. Uh, you, you never a campaign would never would never have uh, would never have enough uh, volunteers, and then uh, you have you have the, the people who can do the organizing part of it, but they also need people to do the the, the door knocking, you know, the telephoning and do the fundraising, and uh, yeah, just. Uh, yeah, people would put up lawn signs, getting lawn signs, and uh, it's all, yeah, just all, all, all different. I know for, uh, at the beginning of the episode, I, I mentioned that it'll be a little bit of a shorter one, so we're, we got about five minutes left, and, and so um, I just want to say before going to the last topic, I know, I, I, every time I come in with an idea on how to do this podcast, it never goes that way, so in my head, I was like, <laughs> Oh yeah, we'll go in sequence. It'll be nice and orderly. Yeah, or jump uh -huh. place. I like it though. So, yeah, thanks for putting up with that. I appreciate that. But, oh no worries. Yeah. Uh, one of the last things I want to ask you, uh, just kind of a, a general question, uh, seeing as it obviously it's COVID times still, and I, I hate talking about it just because you know that that seems to be all anyone anywhere has been talking about for the last year and a half, but. I feel like it's also kind of relevant and you probably should talk a little bit about it. Uh, but as far as, uh, as financial planning is concerned, how has COVID affected um, maybe some of the issues that your clients come to you looking for advice on? Yeah, you know, obviously sometimes, you know, nothing can replace uh, in-person um, uh, communication. Uh, Especially, I think it would be tough for if I were to, you know, get a want to get a new client. I think uh, uh, not being able to, to to meet, especially that first meeting face to face, would be. Uh, I would I would think that that's tough. But 
uh, for me, um, you know, I miss the part of, uh, you know, having coffee and lunch with, with, with client on a more social basis, get to know, you know, catch up with uh, what's happening with the, with the life. So that, that part is, uh, uh, has been, uh, I, you know, I miss that one. Uh, but on the, on the other hand, it's um, because of the pan- pandemic, um, we more life insurance companies and mutual fund companies, they have relaxed, for example, the, 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 the original signature part of it uh, for various forms. I mean, now most forms and documents can be done uh, electronically. So that makes uh, my job easier too. So uh, technically, which means I, I could even go to Hawaii on the beach and I could, I could do a lot of work uh, uh, through, through that way. And, you know, Zoom is uh, one, because it's less traveling that you kind of, you know, it, it allows for more time for me to, to plan more meetings with, with, with clients. So that's uh, that, that in, a, in, in a good side as well. So I, I think for today, I think that's pretty much our time. I, I know it went by really, really quick. And uh, it was great having a conversation with you, Rick. Yeah, no problem. It's a pleasure. And then uh, actually, your, 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 your last kind of remind me of that. <laughs> you guys got that the same way. 